I'm Marty Moss Cohen. Welcome to The Connection. You know that old saying, if you don't have something nice to say, don't say anything at all? Well, very few people follow that advice. They're more likely to agree with the late Alice Roosevelt Longworth, who famously said, if you don't have anything nice to say, come sit by me. We all gossip, whether we admit it or not. Now, gossip has a bad rap, and sometimes it's deserved, especially when it involves spreading malicious secrets and unsubstantiated rumors at the expense of others. Gossip can also be the glue that connects us by sharing vital information about other people, who is trustworthy and who is a threat. Gossip can also be a form of intimacy, a friendship starter, especially for women. Today on The Connection, the roots of and reasons why we gossip. And we have two guests who have joined us. Deborah Tannen is a linguist at Georgetown University, the author of a number of books about communication, including You Just Don't Understand. Her most recent book is You're the Only One I Can Tell, Inside the Language of Women's Friendship. Deborah Tannen, nice to have you with us on the show. That's a pleasure to talk to you. And also with us is Frank McAndrew. He's a social psychologist, professor of psychology at Knox College in Illinois, and he has made studying gossip his life's work. And Frank McAndrew, nice to have you with us on The Connection as well. Thank you. I'm honored to be here. (laughs) Honored to have you both here. In fact, Frank, let me begin with you, and let's go back to our ancient ancestors. How did gossip help us survive life on the Serengeti Plain thousands of years ago? Well, if you think about the way life was for our ancestors, you were spending your whole life in a relatively small group of people, maybe 150 to 200 people. And you had to cooperate with these people for your group to be successful. But at the same time, these same people were the ones you were competing with for mates and status and resources. And to be successful in that environment, you absolutely had to know everything about all of the other people. You had to know who you could trust and who you couldn't trust. You had to know who was sleeping with whom. You had to know who had political allies that were powerful and who didn't. Uh, And people who did not pay attention to that, people who were uninterested in that, simply didn't do very well. They kept getting swindled. Uh, They kept losing mates by having them get poached away by other people. And uh, those genes just sort of disappeared over time, and we're the descendants of busybodies. (laughs) And proudly so. Just a quick follow-up, and then I'll get to you, Deborah Tannen, but can we think of of gossip as kind of like grooming behavior that we see in, in our primate cousins? It can certainly be used that way, and it can also be used as a weapon. And the, the good part, and we'll get to the weapon part, I mean, it feels good to, to gossip often. Is there something about our, our chemicals that get stimulated by it? Yeah, absolutely. Um, we're drawn to things that we love sex, we love donuts, we love things that had what we needed. And gossip is the same as those things. Uh, There actually is research that shows that there's chemical activity in the brain that lights up our reward centers when we're gossiping. So yeah, it's very much a biological event. Well, let let me turn to you, uh, Deborah Tan, and how do you see gossip, the role that it plays in our lives? Yeah, I'm really pleased that so far we're talking about the positive aspects of (laughs) gossip, uh, because... Um, that's pretty much what what my concern is as well. Uh, and and 
overcoming this negative bad rap that you mentioned. In fact, the way you even introduced it, Marty, was kind of assuming that gossip is saying bad things about people. But it gossip is talk about people. And there are two types. It can be talking against, but it can also just be talking about uh, and I think our image of it is the talking against, and the reality is far more the talking about. So just as Frank was saying, it's a way that people can connect, uh, and it's just interest in other people. Uh, there, there's a quote that I love, uh, the great Southern writer from Mississippi, Eudora Welty, yeah. uh, in her book about how she became a writer. She says it was listening in when her mother talked with, uh, for example, the seamstress who would come to the house and would tell stories about other people. And this, what I love about it, Waltzi herself says she was listening for stories to come out like a mouse from a hole. Hmm. And that's what made her a writer. But her mother was always trying to stop the seamstress from telling the stories because she didn't want her daughter exposed to gossip. <laughs> um, so yeah, talk about other people when you write it down. can be short stories, novels. When you uh, watch about, you know, films, that's also about people. So yeah, and that interest in other people is especially significant in women's friendships. Which, well, you know, well yeah, let me follow up on that because I'm curious, mm -hmm. the, the bad rap that gas gossip has, is that because we tend to associate it with women? Deborah Tannen? Yeah, I'm glad you pointed that out. Uh, yes, I, I think that is part of it. Um, and it's the perspective. Well, first of all, yeah, anything associated with women has a tendency to be denigrated uh, and women are told to cut it out. Um, but also it's the view of women's ways of talking from those who don't share it. And anything, any generalization about women, about men, always important to uh, say right at the beginning, nothing is true of all women and all men. Uh, but when I was writing the book, you just don't understand about women's and men's ways of talking very quickly. It came out that for women, for many women, um, and there are cultural differences here as well, um, talking about your own secrets and talking about other people is the way relationships are negotiated. Hmm. Your best friend is the one you tell everything to. Uh, and the boys' groups tend to be different. People who have studied kids at play have described this. The concern is more who's up, who's down. Uh, and it's that who's up, who's down, the competitive talk, that I think is the filter through which many men see women's talk about other people. Well, that's interesting. Uh, and, yeah, and let me get yeah. a let me get a man sure. to, to respond to what you sure. just said, Deborah Tannen. <laughs> I mean, Frank, I'm curious about how how you. I don't want to spend the whole hour on gender and gossip, but but how do you see the differences, if there are? Well, uh, I think men and women certainly both gossip, uh, but as Deborah said, they gossip in different ways, and uh, women are. In fact, we've done some research that shows they're more fascinated with what's going on in the lives of other women than men are in what's going on in the lives of other men. And uh, we also found some interesting things about who we like to share gossip with. Uh, men report, at least in our study, that they are more likely to share gossip with their romantic partner than with anyone else. Hmm. Women were equally likely to share gossip with their same-sex best friends and the romantic partner. So there is this bonding thing that, that does seem to happen uh, between women. 
And one, um, yeah. No, no, go, go ahead, ahead, Frank. Go ahead. Well, men, uh, men think they don't gossip. They use terms like talking shop or having a bull session, uh, or maybe they're expressing concern, but they're not gossiping. But you're telling us that they are. <laughs> I'm telling you that they are. Absolutely. Do, do we need, and Frank, do, do we need a definition of gossip before we go any further? Well, I think um, Deborah already mentioned we're talking about people. So if we're talking about events, it usually isn't thought of as gossip. Uh, and we're talking about people who aren't there at the moment. So we can't gossip to each other about ourselves. And you're usually talking about something that we can make moral judgments about, or at least make judgments about the character of the person we're talking about. And Deborah, you know, I was thinking uh, about what gossip looks like when people are sharing secrets. They're leaning into each other. Sometimes they're whispering, you know, to share this information. It's interesting to think of gossip and what the body language looks like. Yeah, I'm so glad you pointed that out. Uh, And again, people who have studied children at play, you so often see little girls just sort of leaning in and, and that image of one little girl whispering in the other's ear. And I collect those pictures as it happens. <laughs> and I have pictures of that from all over the world, uh, Europe, Africa, Asia. Uh, now, I sometimes say I've never come across such a picture of boys, but people have sent me some. Uh, so again, it's not 100%, 0%. But uh, telling secrets is <clears throat> one of the fundamental uh, coins of the realm among women's friendships. And when you think about it, there's a lot of competition for who's close to whom mm-hmm. and um, you know who's close to the popular girls. So how do you show that you're close to someone? You know their secrets because secrets are told to people you're close to, you know, as, as Frank just said. Um, and yeah, so I think part of the negative uh, connotation of gossip is that that can be used in a negative way. Sure. In fact, uh, many women tell me that they prefer to have men as friends because there's always that risk. If you tell a secret to a woman and she tells it to other people, maybe no bad intention, but they might tell it to someone else. And then it changes along the way and become a negative rumor. Uh, and women tell me that they can talk to men and the men don't tend to repeat it. <laughs> well, that's because they have nothing to gain by it. <laughs> Whereas uh, often with women, it can be something they want to share as a sign of they're having been close to the other person. And I would ask, add one more thing. In the beginning, you mentioned rumor. And I think that also um, reveals some of the reasons that gossip is thought of in a negative way. And Frank said it can, it can be connection, it can be a weapon. And I have actually had people recall, and, and this is uh, actually, I'm thinking in particular of a, a, a young man who told me this, um, that he intentionally spread a false rumor. Uh, in order to get back at someone that he was feeling negative about. So that absolutely can be the case. And we certainly see this in the public sphere. Indeed. Where um, rumors can be spread about um, political enemies. Yeah, I mean, it's a great form of revenge. Uh, Frank, going back to you, it is, though, interesting to think of, of gossip as a form of social control, how the group kind of manages itself or each other. Can you speak to that? Sure. Uh, One distinction that gossip researchers often make is between good gossip and bad gossip. And 
Bad gossip is the kind of thing that Deborah was just describing, where the only purpose for the gossip is for the person who's gossiping to get ahead, by usually by ruining the reputation of somebody else. Good gossip is gossip that serves a, a positive function for the group. So if we're in the workplace and we have a colleague that we suspect is stealing from the company or is a sexual predator or there's some very negative thing about this person that's going to undermine the group, talking to each other about that person to find out if this is true or not is a way of finding a cheater in the group and getting rid of them. And if we know that other people are monitoring our reputation and talking about us, it kind of keeps us in line. It makes us be a good citizen because we know uh, our reputation will suffer um, if we don't do what we're supposed to do. Well, I want to pick up on that after this very short break. We are talking about gossip today on The Connection, and that's uh, Frank McAndrew. He's a social psychologist. He's been studying gossip for many years now. He's also a professor of psychology at Knox College, which is in Illinois. Deborah Tannen is with us as well. She's a linguist at Georgetown University. She's written a number of books about communication, about how men and women talk to each other. Uh, She also has a more recent book, which is uh, germane to our conversation having to do with uh, women's friendship. It's titled, You're the Only One I Can Tell, Inside the Language of Women's Friendship. Much more to talk about after this very short break. Do stay with us. We'll be right back. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. You're listening to The Connection here on WHYY in Philadelphia. And if you're just joining us, we're talking about gossip, the pros and cons of gossip, with Frank McAndrew and with Deborah Tannen. Deborah, let me just pick up on, on, we've been going back and forth looking at at gossip from a number of different angles, but I'm thinking about that person who is being gossiped about. And it does feel a a form of ostracism or even shunning as as the sort of group decides or several people decide that this person is either untrustworthy or is not part of the the in-group. Can you speak to that? Well, I would emphasize again that that is a possible uh, use and effect of gossip, but I don't think it's the most common. Um, Think about if you uh, are friends in a group or even maybe one family member and you ask, gee, you know, what's happening with uh, my sister? Have you talked to Mary lately? What's happening with her? Uh, It really can be just an expression of interest. Sure. Um, but yes, absolutely. When girls turn on another girl, uh, one one of the ways they do it is talking about her in a negative way. In fact, one woman, when I was doing interviews for the book about women's friendships, um, a woman told me she was quite traumatized from her junior high years, which is often when um, girls are the most clicky in this way. Uh, She went to a new school. She was talking to a group that she thought would be her friends. And they were saying all these terrible things about some girl named with some other name. And she she realized gradually and with creeping uh, horror that it was her. And that was their way of of, uh, communicating to her that they really did not want her in the group. So you're absolutely right that that can be a part of it. But it's more something about 
girls and women's tendency to um to be very sensitized to who's in who's out where uh boys and men tend to be more sensitized to who's up who's down hmm. and uh, yeah I, I would also add something i think is really important here as we go through life we really need to pick up from other people we identify with what are the right ways to behave women uh, men all of us uh, we're, we're social social creatures and cultures have different norms and you really need to learn and be attuned to the norms of your culture. Well, one of the ways is you hear how people are talked about uh, and you realize if people are talking about someone in, in a particular way that's negative, mm. you don't want you don't want to be that way. So I think it's a very important um, method by which groups, social groups, cultural groups, communicate their norms. Well, let me turn back to you, Frank, and I wonder whether people who gossip, I mean, we all gossip, but some are, I guess, better at it than others, whether that's a sign of a certain kind of social skills and that you, you've been observing other people, you're aware of the people in your surrounding environment. Um, yes, I very much think of it as a social skill because you need to do it well to be successful and you only get in trouble when you do it poorly. And people are different from each other. It's like a personality trait. There's even a, a scale, I think it's called the tendency to gossip questionnaire, oh, where you can measure somebody's, uh, how much of a gossip they are. And uh, interestingly enough, people who are in people professions, like therapists, for example, usually score pretty high on that sc uh, scale. Um, so yes, uh, it's a social skill because if you're a good gossip, you're usually a pretty popular person. You have a reputation for knowing things, so people come to you for information, but you also have a reputation for being discreet and sensitive in the way that you use information, so people trust you, and um, the person who's the bad gossip is the one who either is sort of vindictive and mean and uh, uses it as a weapon, or just clueless and doesn't understand who they shouldn't tell about somebody else, yes. Well, it shows you what social creatures we are. That the power. This show is called the connection, but the power of, of you know, of being socially connected to other people, Frank. Yes, absolutely. Because if I share gossip with you, what I'm saying is I trust you, right? And I want to be part of your network. Uh, if you take the holier than thou attitude that I'm not going to be part of this gossip network, you're not going to be very popular because you're basically telling people you don't trust them and you don't want to be part of their network. Well, let me play a clip, and this is actually seen from the TV show Friends. Rachel, who's played by Jennifer Aniston, is trying to fight her urge to gossip when she overhears uh, a friend uh, make a major secret, or I guess reveal a major secret, and she tries to tell it to her friend Joey, who's played by Matt LeBlanc. Okay, okay, Joey, I have got to tell you something. What, what is it? What is it? Oh my God, it's so huge, but you just have to promise me you cannot tell anyone. Oh, no, 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 no. I don't want to know. What? Oh, no, yes, 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 you do want to know. This is unbelievable. No, I don't care, Rach. Look, I am tired of being the guy who knows all the secrets and can't tell anyone. What, what secrets? You know secrets? What are they? And you're not supposed to be gossiping. No, I know. I just can't keep this one in. So I pick up the phone. Ah! <laughs> and Deborah Tannen, we know people Perfect. like that, right? Perfect. Exactly. <laughs> Go ahead, Deborah. 
What's going well, on in that scene there? <laughs> yeah, of, of course, TV shows are based on the way people really do communicate, but they amplify it a bit. So I think that amplifies the uh, positive aspect for women of knowing something about other people, and therefore she wants to share it, uh, and the negative view of many men <laughs> uh, that you don't want to hear things about other people. They don't, they don't show this aspect of it, but I think that is why it, this uh, stereotype has evolved, um, that he's not going to have anything to gain by knowing those secrets. And so why does he want to, why does he want to hear them? Um, but yeah, and I think there too, there's an assumption that what she's going to tell probably does not uh, put that other person in a good light. And so I think that also is the negative perspective of gossip that is so much part of our image of it. Mm. Uh, and I can't say often enough, I don't think it's the most common use of it. No, I, I hear you. But but you've said this several times, and I'm just curious. So for women, gossip is what, about status? It's about um, it's about sort of knowing who who's in the pecking order? Uh, well, yes, that, that too, but it's who's in, who's out. Um, so much of women's social negotiation, and, and this goes back to research on the youngest kids, as well as the oldest people that have been studied. Um, it's knowing personal things about the other person that creates that closeness. So, uh, and it's, it's the sense that, um, if you're close to somebody, they will tell you things about that are mm. going on in their life. Uh, and w in fact, for all the books that I've written about the whole range of women's relationships, sisters, mothers and daughters, friends, um, when women told me they were hurt, very often it was about not being told something. Uh, I thought I was uh, closer than that. You know, why didn't she trust me enough to tell me? So, yeah, it's it's the... Uh, way in which not just you prove that you're close to somebody, but you actually become close to somebody. Um, whereas that just does not seem to be so much a part of uh, many men's, most men's sense of friendship, which is more about doing things together. But I think both of them have the aspect of who's up, who's down, as well as who's in, who's out. But for, uh, again, for many girls and women, you show that you're higher in the hierarchy by knowing more about the girls that have higher That's so interesting. I mean, well, Frank, yeah. it, it's interesting was, to think of, of yeah. gossip or information as a form of power, that you know yes. something that other people do not know. Well, that and that's one of the reasons why that Friends clip is so entertaining, <laughs> because Rachel clearly knows she has something that's very socially valuable something that other people want. And this kind of enhances your status because you're in possession of something valuable uh, that you can then use strategically uh, in ways that are good for you. But that feeling of, I, I just can't keep this <laughs> to myself any longer is a reflection of that. Let me just quickly reintroduce the two of you. That's uh, Frank McAndrew. He's a social psychologist, teaches psychology at uh, Knox College, and he has been studying gossip for many years now. Deborah Tannen is with us. She's a linguist at Georgetown University, written a number of books, including You're the Only One I Can Tell, Inside the Language of Women's Friendship. And we are talking about the ups and downs, the ins and outs of gossip. 
Frank, let me go back to you because I'd like to talk a bit about gossip and work. Um, and, you know, it should be said we all gossip. And if you're at work, you tend to gossip. Uh, do we mm-hmm. tend to gossip about people who are our managers, people's kind of above us in, in the hierarchy at work? Uh, yes, uh, we gossip about everybody, but we gossip differently about the people higher uh, in the pecking order than the people lower in the pecking order. Uh, now, you're gossiping for a lot of reasons. We talked earlier about uh, unwritten rules that you only learn through gossip. So if you're starting a new job, they sometimes don't tell you things like how you should dress or can you leave at exactly five o'clock and you listen in to see what people are saying about them. But when you're talking about coworkers and bosses, the more higher up the person is, the more we like dirt. Because the kind of gossip we like best is gossip that is useful to us. And if I'm talking about a rival or some powerful person that has control over my life, finding out good things about that individual uh, just doesn't help me very much. I can't exploit that. Uh, If I'm a caveman and the top caveman just got another beautiful wife and dragged home another mastodon for dinner, this doesn't do me any good. But if I find out that there's some scandal in this person's life, he's had a falling out with a political ally or something like that, this is really interesting to me because I might be able to use it. And so we're very tuned into what the boss is doing. With coworkers and friends, on the other hand, uh, yeah, we're interested in dirt there too, but we're also interested in positive information because that can be useful to us. If one of your friends is suddenly dating a movie star or just won the lottery, this is going to be really interesting because who knows, uh, this may have something in it for you. Well, in fact, uh, Frank, you you wrote uh, gossip, ridicule, and ostracism are a way of keeping dominant group members in check, just to kind of underscore what you were saying there. Yes, it's uh, a tool that the less powerful can use to kind of cut the powerful down to size a bit. Well, and I wonder too, Deborah, when if you work at a place that is not sharing information, for instance, or it feels as if uh, there are people playing favorites or there are things that just feel untoward. Does gossip have a role then at work? Uh, yeah, I'm glad you asked about it at work because definitely since we're playing this in who's in, who's out game through through talk about other people, um, it's a way that people at work, just as the example I gave was at school, um, that people can actually include someone and make them feel included in that workplace or make it clear to them that they're not. Uh, And sometimes that's not intentional. It could just be that the person doesn't realize that they are supposed to be taking part in this conversation when they when they hear it um and and this is very related to another aspect of gossip that maybe we haven't quite touched upon Mm -hmm. um if one group of people is talking against someone not there which is often you know as frank said that's always the case it creates a closeness among those people so one way that that uh, one group can bond with each other at that moment is talk against somebody else uh, and I guess people vary with how much they try to use that as a tool, but it definitely is one one tool that creates closeness in the moment. And Frank is, you know, I think we're talking about gossip like all of it is, is de- you know, deli- delicious, I was going to say, or salacious. Um, but is most gossip just kind of mundane stuff that, that people are sharing with each other? 
Well, if it's mundane, it probably isn't usually gossip. Another thing about gossip is you're usually sharing information that isn't widely known. So if we're trading information that both of us pretty much are already aware of, um, we're probably not gossiping in the strict sense of the word. Uh, But yes, the more secret it is and the more we can make moral judgments based on that, the more salacious it becomes. But yes, a lot of gossip is simple. Oh, do you think, you know, Mary's going to get that promotion that's uh, just opened up in the company? It's not negative, uh, but it's not always terribly exciting either. Sure. But you talk about the importance of moral. So part of gossip is, Frank, being judgmental of other people. The moral judgment yes. that, that's associated with that. Go ahead, flesh that out. Yes, well, one of the things that really drives the evolution of it is our need to monitor the reputations of other people. We've got to know who's trustworthy and who is not. And uh, when Deborah was talking a bit ago about sharing gossip as a way of ostracizing, in a way, you can be using gossip as a tool to test the other people in the group. If I'm sharing gossip with somebody about an absent party that I don't like, I'm looking at that person's reaction to judge whether they're more likely to be an ally of mine or an ally of the person that I'm talking about. It's a way of kind of sorting out who is really in your trusted inner group and who really is not. And I'm thinking to to you, Deborah Tan, and this idea of talking about and talking against. I mean, it's one thing to to share secret, private, intimate uh, information about oneself to another person, but to share that same kind of information that's about someone else who isn't there, that's a very different dynamic, it seems to me. Yes, it is. And one leads to the other. I think of a woman I interviewed for the book about friends who said, when I tell someone something personal about me, it's like saying, here's a little piece of me. That means I like you. But then the question is, what are they going to do with that little piece of you? <laughs> and yeah, that that, that gives them uh, some power. And the issue of trust, uh, you know, as we've been talking about, definitely comes up. Um, I wanted to add something about the workplace. Sure. Um, yeah. So... Again, when I studied um, the workplace, I have a book about that as well. Something that came out was the sense of discomfort that women often felt if they were working in a place that was mostly men, but also that men often felt when they were working uh, with a group and an environment that was mostly women. And often it was about these different ways of talking. Uh, So one of the ways that many men show affection and being part of the group they insult each other, <laughs> but it's playful insults. And often women are not that used to insulting as a form of affection. And so they take it personally or they take it literally. Uh, and and many women have told me that just being aware of that has opened a door so that they realize they're actually being included rather than excluded. But I think the same thing can happen with men who are kind of puzzled in a group of women who are talking about other people and they're normally not used to talking about other people in that way uh, and really just don't know how to participate in that kind of conversation. Simply the fact of being able to take part in a conversation in the way that others are, and that can also just be sense of timing, you know, when to come in, when to come out. But um, that is one of the things that in itself creates a sense of cohesion. And that's one of the reasons I think it's important for us to understand how other people are using gossip. Sure. 
Sure. Frank, we're almost up at a break here. Anything you want to add to that? Uh, Well, the discomfort with uh, being the lone male or the lone female, I think, (laughs) also comes from the fact that you're interested in different kinds of people. Um, Typically, we're interested in gossip about people of our own age, roughly, and our own sex, because these were our competitors. They were the people that we had to watch. So men are simply more interested in other men. Women are simply more interested in other women. So the gossip network... Uh, of the other sex is just not going to be as interesting to us. Well, let's take that short break and then we'll get back to our conversation. And yes, we are talking about gossip today on The Connection, something we all do, myself included, and that's uh, Frank McAndrew. He's a social psychologist, professor of psychology at Knox College in Illinois, has been studying gossip for many years now. Deborah Tannen is a linguist at Georgetown University, and she's written a number of books about communication, and one uh, that uh, includes a chapter or two about gossip titled, You're the Only One I Can Tell, Inside the Language of Women's Friendship. Much more to talk about after this very short break. Do stay with us. Be right back. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. This is The Connection here on WHYY in Philadelphia. I'm Marty Moscowain, talking with linguist Deborah Tannen and social psychologist Frank McAndrew about gossip. Let me play another scene. This is one from The Office. Michael Scott, who's played by Steve Carell, feels left out of The Office gossip. He hears a rumor about Stanley from an intern, and he tries to use it to fit in, but the reaction isn't what he hoped for. So, what is the scuttlebutt? Anybody hear anything? Nothing? I got a little something-something. I don't know if I should say. So just keep it to yourself. Stanley is having a midlife crisis. Stanley is way past the middle of his life, especially considering his height-to-weight ratio. Well, apparently, he and his wife were out dancing at a club for young people. Terry's out of town, Michael. Who? Stanley's wife, Terry. She's at an interior decorating expo in Philly. Stanley hates crowds, kids, and music. I think you should check your facts. I love that line. I think you should check your fra- your your facts, Frank. Uh, let, we haven't really spent much time talking about rumors, but how rumors, you know, infiltrate into gossip and and can can lead people in all sorts of different directions. Well, uh, there's a very fuzzy line between rumors and gossip. Um, if you're Talking about a person, we usually think of it as gossip. So I would think that the story about Stanley, I think by rumoring you mean is it um, not substantiated or perhaps we're uncertain whether it's true or not? Yes, I'm nodding, yes. I'm nodding on the radio. Yes, no, go ahead. (laughs) So in that case... um, Part of the reason for the gossip is you're floating this idea because you need feedback to help you figure out whether this is true or not. So sometimes you're sharing gossip that you believe to be true and you want other people to know it, but sometimes you're sharing it to help you discover whether it's true or not. Kind of fact-checking, right? Exactly. Deborah, you want to weigh in on on that, on rumors? Yeah, what I am jumping up and down to weigh in on here is (laughs) (laughs) uh, what what Frank said just before the 
the break. Um, so Frank and I have pretty much been agreeing with each other quite a bit. Um, but there is one difference that I think has emerged that has been interesting, but also almost amusing me. Uh, one of the things that, that I distinguish between women, and I've mentioned it here as well, that women often focus on connection, who's in, who's out. And men often focus more on the competition, who's up, who's down. And I always make it clear we're both interested in both. It's just what you're focusing on. And there's been a series of anecdotes in which I talk about the connection aspect and Frank talks about the competition aspect. Yes, right. And that, that just came out in the way that I was talking about uh, women and men at work being somewhat uncomfortable with groups that are the other, mostly uh, the other gender. Uh, and I was pointing out that it's difficult for them to get in there and make the connection because they're not that aware of what the, how to do that kind of conversation. And then Frank's comment was, well, yeah, because another aspect, and I'm sure it's absolutely right, another reason that women and men often are less comfortable in groups of the other gender uh, is that people tend to talk about those of their own age. Right. Uh, and I'm thinking, yeah, right, because that's going to be of more interest to them. And and then Frank went on to say, because those are your competitors. <laughs> and I thought... <laughs> Yeah. We're following the script. <laughs> Go ahead, Frank. <laughs> right, exactly. Well, let me let me toss something else in because, uh, you know, this is a very gendered conversation. But I'm thinking about the more non-binary <laughs> approach. I don't know whether anyone's yes. done any kind of research that looks at the non-binary approach to gossip versus men versus women. I wonder if you could weigh in on that briefly, Deborah. And then Frank, I want to hear yes. from you as well. Go ahead, Deborah. Yes, I would say in a way that's what we really have been talking about indirectly all along. Um, everybody gossips. We may gossip about slightly different things. Uh, gossip has all these different uh, functions, and we may focus on one more than the other. I think the concept of non-binary is a very powerful one, a really important one, that male-female is not a 100% versus 0%. It's a continuum. And I think the uh, often the uh, reason that many young people now um, identify as non-binary is not wanting to be put into that uh, label, not wanting to be feeling confined yes. that you want. Yeah. And, and that's reality. I mean, in fact, we all have elements of the ways we're talking about as maybe representing one of the other gender. Yeah. Frank, you want to weigh in on that? Yeah, that's a very interesting question, by the way, one that I had not thought about before. Uh, and I don't think that there have been any studies specifically looking at that, because I think I would be aware of them if that had been done. Yeah. So uh, this is a, a, you know, a whole new area that I think we need to start exploring. Indeed. Let me toss out something else. And, and, and Frank, I'll, I'll start with you. Why do we care about the Kardashians or watch The Real Housewives of XY or Z? Yes, it's uh, it's kind of perverse, isn't it, that we <laughs> sure are so fascinated. Guilty as charged, I would say, but go ahead. No, go ahead. Yeah. Well, I think our caveman brains are being tricked by 21st century media. Uh, back in the day, if you knew a lot about somebody... That meant they were socially important to you. That meant they were part of your world. They were part of your life. It was somebody you had to keep tabs on. There was no such thing as celebrities and strangers that you would care about. But in the modern world, we 
find out so much about movie stars and politicians and professional athletes. And the fact that we know more about these people than we usually know about our next door neighbor tricks us into thinking or at least feeling that they're socially important to us. Consciously, we know they're not. Consciously, we know that I'm never going to have a relationship with this person. But we're still intrigued because uh, the mechanisms in the brain that respond to that kind of information kick in. It excites. I'm thinking, you know, why do we care what, what happened at Johnny Depp's trial? And yet, nonetheless, a lot of people tuned in, Frank, to, to yeah, watch. I right. mean, it was, you know, pretty pretty uh, messy <laughs> falling out relationship that he had there. Well, but, and no, this, go ahead. Also, this also connects with the social skill thing. Uh, sometimes people sort of poo-poo interest in celebrities, like you're sort of shallow and you don't care about important things. But celebrities are people that we all know in common. Think of them as friends-in-law. Uh, you and Deborah and I have never spoken to each other before today, as far as I know. And uh, But yet, we could go out and have lunch and talk about Donald Trump and Taylor Swift and people that we know in common. And, it, and it's kind of a segue into real relationships um, by being an icebreaker. It's a, so it's a social skill. Yeah, and it's—I mean—picking up on that, Deborah, it's—it's the—it's the water cooler thing, right? Where where you can share information about people that are not part of your life, but somehow you know are part of our lives because of social media. Yeah, I think that's a great point that uh, it gives us some people we can talk about that we both share if we don't move in the same social circles that haven't met before. Um, but I think also what's fascinating about people's interest in celebrities is that it's the merging of the public and the private, which has been happening increasingly in, and really ratcheted up in, uh, in recent years because of the internet. And it, exactly as Frank said in the beginning, maybe all this goes back to when people were in small groups and knew everybody <laughs> that they were, that they uh, interacted with. And now we have gradually been exposed in our everyday lives more and more to strangers, to people we don't know. And that's inherently um, threatening, I think. And so if we can make those people we don't know seem like, more like people we do know, I think that's part of a sense, more of a sense of comfort in the world. And I, I think that the um, our, our relating to um, celebrities in the same way we would normally relate to people we are close to just makes us feel more connected. Hmm. Uh, to the to the whole public world that is so much a part of our lives. Well, that's so interesting. I, yeah, could, no, go ahead, Frank. Weigh if in, I could yeah. add something to that. Please do. Uh, another thing that celebrities bring to us is uh, usually, by definition, they're successful people. Uh, they've got it made. Everybody knows who they are. They've done wonderful things. And we're paying attention, especially when we're young, to other people to learn strategies that we might be able to use ourselves. How can I be more like this movie star, this rock star? Maybe I can learn some ways of dressing or managing relationships or in some way or other, uh, improving my own life by learning lessons from these successful people. So there's another reason to be hanging on the gossip about these individuals because you're trying to pick up some pointers. And do we also, Frank, enjoy their fall from grace? <laughs> the schadenfreude uh, part. We enjoy that if they are not celebrities that 
just like we um, like some people better than other people in our personal lives, we like some celebrities better than other celebrities, especially if uh, there's been a messy divorce between movie stars and you really like one of them, you now really right. don't like the other one. And so, yes, we, we love to see them get their just rewards, so to speak. Well, Deborah, we're so tribal, are we not? <laughs> Yeah, and, and I think, but the other um, aspect of hearing about people is we learn what we don't want to be because they're being talked about in a negative way. I think that works mm -hmm. for people in the public eye as well. Uh, they're being criticized for um, what, you know, behavior. Or think, think about the time when uh, being gay was such a uh, taboo and, and seeing that public people were destroyed when that came out was one of the really powerful ways that kids learned if that's if that's true of you you better hide it yeah i'm also thinking about how social media can be kind of a wildfire frank where let's say a rumor or even a true gossip um a truthful gossip can just take off and 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 spread and the person that's being gossiped about has absolutely no control over who gets that information and what they do with it. Yeah, it's gossip with a megaphone. Um, yeah. it, it used to be you told somebody and they told somebody and they told somebody, and the number of people that would hear something was relatively small, and the speed with which the information traveled was uh, relatively slow. Now you press a button and thousands of people at one time get that information and then all they have to do is forward it and share it and thousands more people get it. So I don't think we're prepared for the blowback. I think a lot of the problems we have with social media once again can be traced to the fact that we have brains that evolved in a very different world hmm. and we can't quite handle the technology that we've developed. I mean, Deborah, under those circumstances, how does someone get their reputation back? Um, can they? I don't <laughs> I know. That, can they? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I think um, the ramifications of information getting out there and, and even more, the constant question, what's fake and what's real? Uh, right. I think that always has been a factor and it's always been something, I think, in everyday conversation, you're constantly asking yourself, gee, is this true what I'm hearing? But that has taken on enormous uh, ramifications in the world as it is today, um, where you can actually see a picture and that's it. You see it, it's real, but no, it turns out it's not real. It's fake. And so I think that's that's another layer of that that makes relationships so complicated and makes public life so complicated. Sure. And the, and, and the fact that something that you thought was private becomes public which is happening more and more. And it's often, there's a lot of talk about cancel culture. Often that's what it is. It's something that was said, the person who said of thinking in private and it becomes public. Well, and Frank, we've been talking about gossip during this hour and, and the word trust keeps coming up. I mean, that gossip is so much about who or who is trustworthy and who isn't. So then you throw in the so-called, you know, fake news and you begin to mistrust everybody. That's right. And, and in some ways that undermines your confidence in your gossip network. Because you don't and know who problem, to believe. No, go ahead. Go ahead. And the, and the other problem with social media is you start sharing information with people who you haven't vetted. They're not necessarily part of your inner circle. Uh, they're friends of friends of friends. And so now you're becoming less effective as a gossiper because... 
you no longer have the control that you have in more face-to-face, small group kind of gossiping. Well, and just to summarize, and Deborah, I'll go back to you. So what are the skills of a good gossip? What do they have that uh, that we could learn from? <laughs> um, I think uh, if we all realize that sharing information about other people has positive and negative sides and can be used in different ways, uh, it's just something to be aware of. So maybe for some people who have been avoiding it, thinking gossip is bad, I don't want to be that way, mm-hmm. to realize that it can be very good and that taking part in it can give you a kind of um, connection to other people as well as power, <laughs> the two sides we've been talking about. Um, and uh, unfortunately, it could be the case that some people are getting skilled at uh, using information against others in a negative way. So I hope I hope our conversation is not inspiring anyone to use it that way. No, indeed. And and one <laughs> thing, uh, Frank, that you have said, social skills, it's a social skill and it's not a character flaw when it comes to gossip. Can you just expand on that? We have about 40 seconds. <laughs> well, yes. Uh, nobody likes to describe themselves as a gossip. Uh, usually when you describe somebody else that way, you're not paying them a compliment. Uh And we've come to think of it as a negative thing. It's a character flaw if you do this. You're a bad person. And I think Deborah and I have both been trying to make the case for the fact that um, most gossip is not negative. It's an essential part of our social world. And uh, doing it well makes you an effective person. And therefore, it's a social skill. Well, we have to leave it there. My thanks to both of you for joining us today on The Connection. Frank McAndrew, thanks so much. Thank you very much. You're welcome. He's a social psychologist, professor of psychology at Knox College in Illinois. And Deborah Tannen, thank you very much for joining us today on The Connection. It's been such a pleasure. Thank you. You're very welcome. And again, a linguist at Georgetown University, the author of a number of books about communication, including You're the Only One I Tell, Inside the Language of Women's Friendships. Let's see. Charlie Kyer has been our engineer today on The Connection. Thanks, Charlie. And the uh, producers of uh, The Connection are Debbie Builder and Paige Murray Bessler. I'm Marty Moss Cohen, and we do want to close things out with Marvin Gaye singing one of my favorite songs. Uh, I heard it through the grapevine, released in 1968. 